time of Reagan and before the rise of Seagal, Snipes, and Van Damme, there was an age undreamed of. Unto this land came Arnold the Austrian. He was a barbarian, a demigod, a killer robot from the future, and he was destined to wear the crown of Hollywood upon a troubled brow. It is only his chroniclers, Mike Gillis and Casey Doran, who can tell you of his legend. This is his saga. Podcast de la Vista, baby. I don't even think we can do any kind of intro. Let's just get right into this shit, Casey. Oh, yes. Uh, don't fuck up the coat, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <we laughs> don't first, fuck up the coat. We're talking about, from the year 1999, we're talking End of Days, the movie where Arnold Schwarzenegger does battle with the Prince of Darkness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Uh, is this the worst Arnold movie ever made? Uh, it's, it's, it's at the bottom of the list, but I don't know if I, it's the worst. I liked, I really did like Hercules in New York better than this movie. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a battle. Maybe even tighter than the battle between him and I, Professor Sprout from Harry Potter in this movie? Oh, Lord. Okay. There's, <laughs> no. there's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot of occultists. There are a lot of blood... Weird amount of jarring nudity out of nowhere. Yeah, there's some strange incest in this movie, which I don't think you see in any other Arnold movie, past or present. So yeah, we're going to dig through this shit. Of course, this movie's directed by Peter Hyams, who did uh, 2010, The Year We Made Contact, Running Scared, Time Cop, Mm. uh, Sudden Death, so some collaborations with Jean-Claude Van Damme. And with a screenplay by Andrew W. Marlowe, who did Air Force One and Hollow Man. I don't even know what to say. I don't know how this could have possibly occurred. It's an anomaly. <laughs> this thing, I would say it's a unicorn, except it's a garbage unicorn. <laughs> so to make help us make sense of this, of course, we've brought in our friend, a friend of the show, librarian and connoisseur of all things dark and spooky, Kit DeForge. Hello. It's nice to be back. <laughs> it's good to have you here, Kit. And uh, it's one of the things that I always like to do on this show is I constantly have sort of a matchmaky kind of program going on in my head between people and Arnold movies and topics for radio versus the Martians. And I was like, we really got to get kid on to do end of days. <laughs> this, this thing is just such a fucking weird movie. But what really hit me was it. it's essentially Arnold Schwarzenegger Hellblazer. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can feel the vibe a little bit. Um, I, I would, uh, thinking about this earlier i would feel a little bit more at one point they were talking about del toro for this movie yes del toro and sam raimi both in contention for this yeah so i mean that's that's definitely a thing um (laughs) it's uh it could have been it could have been quite a thing yeah Uh, but i still think a thoroughly entertaining movie either way i mean not necessarily uh going up for anything gold anytime soon (laughs) but still something that it, it was no pain to watch but so. uh, yeah, we're we're talking about a movie that's kind of getting into that late '90s wave of supernatural thrillers where Satan is the bad guy. Yeah, like Stigmata is one of these things. You know. Oh yeah, the Ninth Gate. Um, what was the the big one? Of course, being the Devil's Advocate. Yeah. I think everyone was kind of in that mindset of oh, we're close to the millennium. Yeah, I mean, this was the garbage of this movie, is that it's seven different things smashed into one, and of course, one of them is a Y2K movie, which, Jesus H. Christ. There's so much 90s in this movie. There is an AOL bus ad at some point. There is a Lever 2000 ad, which had to have been a wink and a nod oh from God. the set the art department, and it's a Y2K movie. 
If there's if the fact that there's if, that there should be like a scene where Tom Hanks and uh, Meg Ryan walk through together and have like a quippy little scene. That's how fucking nineties this movie is. They, they should they should have used the word morph in this movie. That's how nineties it is. <laughs> Some sort of like space age kind of costume thing with like the what the PVC plastic <laughs> sort of clear Backstreet Boys headset situation. Yes. You know, we got to get some more. Uh... Get some more frosted tips in this there movie. Oh yes, a little bit of that ramen noodle hair. That's oh, the way to go. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, you know, there was both. The patient listeners uh, will notice that both Limp Biscuit and Guns N' Roses are in the soundtrack to this movie. So, put that in your pipe and smoke. Yeah, it. there's yeah. there's a little bit of new metal in here. I've got to say, <laughs> so, this, this was a, this is around the birth of rap rock. A little yeah. bit. No Kid Rock though. I think we dodged that bullet. <laughs> so so Kit. Um, can you give us a bit of a recap with one of the questions that, that we always ask folks is, what is your history with the movies of Arnold Schwarzenegger? And are you a fan of the guy? So, um, talking a little bit about uh, Jingle All the Way. Um, <laughs> it's mostly a thing. Um, my my dad also has this thing where we sit down and watch a bunch of holiday, or holiday movies together all the time. Uh, Jingle All the Way is one of the rare Arnold movies that isn't a point of contention in my house between all the members. Um, I grew up as a middle child of three girls. Um, and as such, our our uh, son tasks were divvied up uh, between the three of us as far as <laughs> things go. Um, it seems that I got baseball and action movies for the most part. Nice. These things. I, I guess I also got arcades. Um which That's a pretty is pretty sweet combo. Yeah, it's I, I kinda lucked out on that one. I, I didn't have to learn to care about football, so that was okay. Um that way I could focus on playing in the marching band. Um that sort of thing. But uh Dad and I used to sneak movies together. Um is a lot a lot of things. It's uh my my mom in a conservative household didn't want uh, girls that were raised with too much violence or things like that. Um but dad would always find a way to sneak in things like even even as far as the spooky stuff goes. Um, we we still have a tradition of watching the old Universal Monster things. Um, he's snuck me to a few Tim Burton movies when I was a little little bitty person and action movies were on that list. Um, so I specifically remember a pinball machine that um, that was a Terminator pinball machine Ooh. that uh, was far too violent for any young person, but I would always gaze at wistfully. Um, for How the do you most do part. violent pinball? Uh, that, that's a question <laughs> I've been asking myself for nearly 25 years, I think, uh, pushing 30 on it if we count infancy of wondering about pinball, but I don't think that happened. Um, so we, we, had a, we had a weekend at one point where, um, where mom and the sisters were off doing their own kind of thing. I believe with the church in a retreat, and uh, anytime my mom was out of the house, Dad was going, "Well, let's go to Goodhart's video. Let's go rent a movie," and that was always the excuse to watch the stuff that my American Beef Dad wanted to watch, <laughs> um, that we could then get away with watching, you know, without risk of turning any of her children into violent sociopaths. Um, so Arnold, Arnold would come up. Dad's definitely more of a Bruce Willis kind of guy, but has an affection for Arnold. Uh, those big, tough dudes that uh, look kind of weird crying, but <laughs> I, I think it's permission in some senses for Dad to see big, scary-looking dudes being really sensitive about family mementos and tragic pasts and all that. Um, but uh, I shared shared with you at one point um, 
that um, my my dad is in local politics in my hometown in Southern California. Um, they there was an actual name for this. I forgot all about it. Uh, the League of Cities <laughs> that you could go to Sacramento and talk to lawmakers on behalf of your city in California. Um, and so my father at one point sent me a message saying, you'll never guess who waved to me. And the person in question was Arnold, oh. who, of course, was duly serving in public office at the time and say, hey, Brian, we should get ice cream because he was a friend <laughs> of my dad's friend, uh, a Republican politician. Oh, I really need to know, yeah. is is uh, is ice cream the one weakness to Arnold's diet routine that he has? That's awesome if it is. <laughs> I, I think I think it's fair to say that Arnold doesn't really have weaknesses so much no. as um, lesser perfections. Yeah, <laughs> we'll go with that. Did your so. dad actually get to have ice cream with Arnold? You know, I think that I think that there was a situation where they were going to go out or something like that. I think that maybe they did. Um, I don't know that dad ever sent me anything like a Pixar didn't happen or anything to that effect. <laughs> but I know that they were at a certain point where he would wave and remember my dad's name after having been introduced to him by Russ. Huh. Um, so I don't know if ice cream, maybe ice cream was euphemistic. Maybe, maybe it was, you know, beer oh. and Republicans were afraid of not looking like they had family values. Yeah, it's not or like, something you know, effect. maybe maybe dad, maybe my father was lying and he was carrying on a tort affair with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, my God. <laughs> God that's even better. Oh, man. Well, that would at least be uh, that would at least be fulfilling one of my fantasies, obviously, is to <laughs> consummate my man crush with Arnold Schwarzenegger. How often do you fantasize about my father was going to be my question. <laughs> Didn't know that you ever met. <laughs> but uh, but I'd never I never heard from anyone else that uh, somehow Jingle All the Way was their gateway into Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> movies. But that's it. However you get to him is fine. Whatever yeah. path you are to the enlightened uh, state is fine by me. It's more a peripheral uh, side side route sort of thing is a, yeah. a way to Arnold. Door. Oh yeah, a way to <laughs> safely Arnold a little bit around around the mumsy. Um because there's something about him, you know, a, a grown man of that size chasing violently after a toy <laughs> and just Jamie like that, you know, little son, not Jamie, but Jamie, which was totally awesome. Can't pronounce his own child's Jamie. name. No, it was totally <sighs> adorable that uh I I still every year I watch it and I laugh really hard try to watch it with my dad <laughs> he does punch out a reindeer in that movie Yeah, he punches a reindeer thank god and so kit if you had to sum up in a paragraph what end of days was about what is this movie well um i, I think i think a sentence is sufficient that uh arnold schwarzenegger died for our sins <laughs> yes um yes. It literally crucified for us um this this is our brave and beefy um, situation of you, you've got the the grizzled uh, copley type, and um, in the tragic Punisher uh, style, has the family ripped from them, you know, dramatically ripped from them, leaving them a hollowed out husk of a man, all alcohol and floor pizza, and um, <laughs> you know, coming coming out there into the world with uh, trepidation and self doubt because why fight for anything if you can't fight for that love. Um, he's, he's dealing with, uh, he's dealing with depression and, uh, suicide. He's, um, he's struggling with, uh, proper nutrition, as we find out <laughs> later. Um, and he, he finds a, a young woman who is being, um, 
let's say, forcefully courted by the devil um, to to breed the Antichrist. Because after all, this is this is the year of several nines, which are sixes upside down. Yes, um, and you got to have some numerology. In oh your my devil gosh! Movie. Yeah, it's numbers are scary anyway. <laughs> I mean, to to be fair, it's like once you get that stuff in there, it also. Uh, it sort of subs for scientific, it's I think. Real. It makes Numerology. it real, baby. It's real. Yeah. You can't argue with numbers. Yeah, exactly. And and Arnold, however, did argue with guns and fists. <laughs> and that's what this movie is all about, is saying, screw your numbers. Um, a lady has a right to choose whether or not Satan is uh, is a baby daddy. <laughs> and also, you know, the Catholic Church in, in classical tradition saying, I'm not quite sure that you should live. You know, yeah. I'm not I'm not quite sure ladies should have the right to choose to live either. Um, <laughs> and uh, also, I, I think I think we have the general feeling that the Catholic Church has more impressive, uh, impressive uh, sort of clothing and look than many of the other denominations so yeah you're not going to get a baptist version of this movie i don't think no but yeah it's always capital c catholic church you know whenever it's the church well they're the only ones that have castles and catacombs and they can go into the smoke-filled room and there's all those books and scrolls on the wall Mm -hmm. and somebody dressed like a wizard can come out and say the prophecy and they have like an astrologer and they have like a librarian who comes out of like stone tablets and it's it's it, all of that. It wouldn't it wouldn't make a sense for you to have a Presbyterian minister saying you're meddling with things you can't possibly understand. <laughs> I just wouldn't wouldn't work as well. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> hey, it could have been mistranslated, but uh, this might have to do with the devil. I don't know. We kind of feel like he's more of a concept than an actual person, but that's <laughs> up for debate. Yeah. This, is, this is really just about hospitality. Yeah, honestly. Just, I can't believe the Unitarians would have assassins that they send out to murder the devil. Unitarian assassin also would be a really great like comedy metal band. <laughs> I think the Unitarian assassin would probably just pick at the devil. There you go. Just, just like, like we really disapprove of how you're treating this young lady. You should really consider doing this differently, perhaps. <laughs> we we respect your beliefs, but we don't think that what you're doing with ending the world is very nice. That's Ro- right. R- roadside chapels, yes. Roadside chapels, mm-hmm. truck stop <gasps> chapels. Oh my God, Elvis chapels. <laughs> oh yes. oh Elvis God, chapels. If, if several Elvi were were uh, coming into the movie with. With sniper rifles to try to kill her before she can consummate this thing with the devil. <laughs> there we go. Oh, but yeah, it's like the thing with this movie that's so bizarre is it you can feel all of the other movies that it's cribbing from, whether it's like the usual suspects where they yeah. outright they have actors from the usual suspects in this movie, but they also outright steal the devil pulled the greatest trick of convincing the world that he didn't exist. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it has been a year since that movie came out. Can you? Can you steal a little less? Let obviously? it cool off. <laughs> I know, like it's the not... Omen. There's obviously a lots of like the Omen part of this, the and... Exorcist, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a part where that stuff kind of gets crammed together with like this kind of meaty badass kind of movie that doesn't really fit with sort of a psychological thriller where you have the devil literally punching through the walls of this subway train to get at her like a -a (laughs) whack-a-mole and then he blasts him with a rocket launcher like he's the t-1000 and i'm like this is not the same movie this is like when they put the beefy scientist in a pair of horn rim glasses and just kind of go yeah yeah. We're intellectual. Yeah, you know, he's that's a smart guy. Oh, wait, you mean it's Arnold smart. Schwarzenegger and Batman and Robin? Yes. <laughs> Nora. I no. know all God. about cryogenic freezing. Oh, my yeah, gosh. It's, it's Yeah, this is a weird 
pick this role for Arnold Schwarzenegger of anybody? Is it it we've talked about this before that movies tend to get rewritten for Arnold to play to his strengths, but I think this one's the one where it, the changes are the most it, obvious. I think it, it might have just been he was recovering from his heart surgery before then, and uh, maybe he didn't have the time to be in on this production for a year beforehand, and have him and his agent just get in there and be like, oh, no, no, we got to have this scene. I, I will say that the scene where he is in the, he's in the very beginning when you're introducing his character where he makes quite possibly the most <laughs> disgusting <laughs> oh. sm- morning smoothie ever. I think that was one of Arnold's little jokes. I I, think. It's beautiful. I, that was, oh, God, in a, in a movie that has visions of incest and rape, that is the <laughs> grossest thing that happens in this movie. What does he put in that smoothie? I think I wrote it down. It's like... Um, the the coffee that he's given by Kevin Pollack, mm-hmm. uh, Pepto-Bismol, uh, Chinese food. Leftover beer. Leftover beer. Yeah. That that floor pizza that you mentioned. Yeah, floor pizza. Oh, it looked like a sardine, but it was hard to make out. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just, it was like the sad action bachelor who's mourning his family <laughs> smoothie. It was like if this... Why not just inject that right into his heart? It was depression fuel. It was, <laughs> man, it was just bad. It's like he's either going to eat this or a bullet today. Mm. They're, they're probably going to. It's the kind of food that they would give you if like tines were too sharp. You know, that sort of thing. But they're a little bit concerned. You know, it's like, here you go, Arnold. Here's your sadness slurry. Oh, you know, just slurp that on down. Oh, God. It's like this is the sort of shit that even like Dave Lister wouldn't eat. I was just thinking of Arse Face from Preacher. Oh, God. <laughs> Putting yeah. disgusting shit in a blender and drinking it. Oh, God. There's that oh, God. point where, you know, oh, oh. But the thing I just kept coming back to, because, again, I was, like, thinking of, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger, John Constantine, Arnold Schwarzenegger, John Constantine. And one of the big things with Constantine is, like Arnold in this movie, he's, like, this haunted, jaded, angry guy contesting with the supernatural and having to get past tragedy. And one of the big things with John Constantine is that he's constantly being followed around by the ghosts of all the people that he's killed. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking, like, holy shit, how many people has Arnold killed over the years? <laughs> and having be like him, a Greek chorus. I know. He's just like, <laughs> like just hundreds of like henchmen and soldiers, like five versions of Sven only yeah, Thorson. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. And like the predator, <laughs> <laughs> like the ghost predator following him around going. <laughs> God. It's like it was it's the weirdest choice for him. No, I mean like I said doesn't it feels like he just got inserted in way far along in the process because it doesn't feel that much like an Arnold movie. There are some bits, I mean there's no I'll be back in this movie no. for one. So he's not at that point where he's sort of hammering home like and there are are there any quips? I don't think there are any like, you know, you, any one-liners? I think there's only one, and it's when the Vatican, Vatican assassins show up at that church and are about to sacrifice uh, Robin Tunney's character. She's, mm-hmm. of course, the damsel in this movie that Satan has a lot of problems with consent in this movie, is mm-hmm. trying to grab, and they want to kill her before she can help him end the world. And Arnold shows up and shoots the blade off of his sacrificial dagger. <laughs> And uh, then later, I could do this all day. I could right? do this all, all day. day. Yeah. Do this all- that's it. But I mean, even that is not 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 great. It's not a great Arnoldism. Uh, yeah, did- it's it's not something that's gonna you know go down in his film history. Or- no, there's there's nothing in this movie actually. It, for the only thing notable that, as far as I know, is that he dies. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, which is like other than his the first only human character that he plays that dies because his robot his robot characters die. But I yeah. did like one line. I actually wrote this one down where the Vatican guy Arnold has 
his gun put right against his face, and he's just like, for a thousand years we've prepared ourselves for this. We're not afraid to die. And he's like, good, because I'm not afraid to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, that's got to have been written for Arnold. It's, okay. it, those that's those things are so few and far between because this movie has very little Arnold in it. There's a lot of plot that happens. I mean, he walks around... I mean, it's evident to the viewer, obviously, from the beginning, because you see the devil coming out of the sewers and then going into the body of Gabriel Byrne in a bathroom in a restaurant and then blowing then him grabbing the tit of some woman and kissing her very violently to much to the chagrin of her husband. And then him walking out self-satisfied and blowing up the whole place like you you get OK, there's some supernatural shit, but it takes Arnold about an hour and 15 minutes to be convinced of the fact that like oh this is actually supernatural stuff and this is actually about the devil um and by the way this is one of this movie hits on i think at least three of the things that i hate in movies and one of them is when the there is clearly supernatural stuff in the in the world and the main character is an atheist yeah. <laughs> what's going on what's going on what's going on no. I was like, well, listen to all this judge talk yes yeah but it's it's so weird and also the symbolism in this movie is not subtle. Oh no, it's not at all. I mean Arnold gets beaten up by that gang of satanists in the alleyway and they literally just hang him up in a crucifix pose. Mike, yeah. what's his name? Jump. What's his character's name? His name is Jericho Kane. <laughs> Lordy. Jericho Kane. Um Robin Tunney's character is is named Christine York, like Christ in New York and if the movie didn't get that clear enough to you they actually stop and say by the way symbolism folks no they oh. carve it into the flesh of another character <laughs> that's how <laughs> obvious it needs to good be good writing alert <laughs> pay attention right here how we it, named this yeah it, it does i mean i went to film school and one of the things and anybody who's taken any kind of uh, creative writing class has had those moments where everyone reads each other's stuff in class and there's that one person who desperately wants to get their, like, I've got symbolism in my work. <laughs> and that person must have written this movie because there is so much. There is the evil Dr. Abel. Oh, there is Udo. a character who's literally the the crazy Vatican um, assassin guy, the priest who lives in that like Fallout Three apartment <laughs> that they have that like seven moment where they go down and they're digging through his stuff, and of course it's like oh scary apartment, oh jump scare with a cat in a fridge, oh, in a fridge, what fridge cat? Oh okay, that's fine. It's probably it's probably cleaner in the fridge than the rest of this apartment. That's true. But yeah, it's all about reading the crazy person's writing, and that priest's name, the crazy priest, his name is just literally. Thomas Aquinas. Yeah. Not Fred Aquinas. I mean, let's just disguise it a little bit. Just Thomas Aquinas. He could have been Tom Aquinas, and it would have been a little bit more disguised. And it's like he's a priest named Thomas Aquinas, and nobody just goes, oh, that's a weird coincidence. You mean our clever Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie deigned insult our intelligence by assuming we didn't know who Thomas Aquinas was already? Oh. I mean, come now. Yeah, just... we, we may be giving this movie too little credit. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I've got to say that it's that it's to me. Unfortunately, Arnold's Arnold doesn't do as well of, of making this this movie distinguishable because I think that it's not a very good Arnold movie. However, I will say that I love Udo Kier's character, the uh, the psychologist and Satan worshiper, because I think the entire movie for him is the story about how he's the saddest. He's the Frank Grimes of this movie. See, Udo Udo Kier was going to be the devil. But the producers felt that having the hero speak in an Austrian accent and the villain speak in a German accent would be too much for the audience to tell the difference to the two of them. So he got demoted to the guy who plays the right-hand man. Um, and this guy spends like 
most of his life preparing for Satan, and then Satan just comes in, fucks both of his wife and his daughter, and then in the end just puts his fist through his fucking head. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Udo. (laughs) uh, Satan's management style in this movie could use a little bit. Uh, a little bit of work because I mean Jesus Christ how many people fail him before he just casually murders them and that's the part that this movie just is getting pulled apart because on one hand you have this movie that's trying to be capital A art and is trying to have these little subtle moments like that kid on the skateboard who <laughs> hail, nice shirt this, or this hail Satan or Satan rules or something yeah and a shirt yeah. and he just goes hey kid nice shirt, nice shirt. and the guy's like hey, screw you man and he's, he starts skateboarding across the street and he does that little subtle trick and distracts him and he gets hit by a fucking hit by a bus a right bus. What yeah. is, say, if, if this were D&D Satan would have cantrip right he can just do like a little tweak he has the, for, he has the force I guess is how I would put it yeah and it was kind of little things Satan like, has all sorts of magical powers in this I don't know why, why he needs to feel the needs to be so subtle he can do a bunch of crazy shit oh he literally stabs a dude through the head with a crucifix later in this movie just like <laughs> well, that's that's where my my uh, vertigo, our vertigo feelings, or Constantine feelings about this kind of evaporate for me is the the depiction of the devil in that is that um, yeah I, I feel like most depictions of the devil in film, comics, other things are either that slick asshole in that nice suit or something, the old bad businessman kind of thing, the manipulator, the silver tongue, you know, the morning star sort of thing. Or you just get this like tenacious D sort of devil. <laughs> they are shined a shiny demon sort of devil. And I felt like this one couldn't make up its mind. No. Yeah. You know? No. Either it's subtle tricks and this philosophical speeches about the nature of free will, or I don't judge people. I mean, that's what you want the devil to sort of do is argue with the lead. Mm-hmm. But then he just starts killing people like the Terminator. Yeah. It's weird. We're just wading through and killing people with his bare hands. And I'm like, you know, this really doesn't fit as the same character. And it feels like that's a big part of the Frankenstein nature of the script. Like, and that's genre confusion for you exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, yeah. I, it's, I'm seeing if, what you If mean. we didn't mention it, it's Gabriel Byrne who's playing the devil. Here, you know, I don't which think... Is a, which is a... I, it's, in another movie, it would be a fine choice, I suppose. Because yeah. he plays that same role very well in one sort of facet of Usual Suspects, mm-hmm. where he might very well be the bad guy. Because when he's doing the manipulative guy in a suit... That part of the devil, I like Gabriel Byrne in that role, Mm -hmm. where he's actually pretty chilling, where he's just talking, and I don't need to do anything really big, because I know someone will do it for me, or I can get you to kill yourself. Yeah, I mean that kind of way where it's it's a more about breaking somebody or uh, offering them something, but knowing that you're going to sell yourself for it, and then he's just you know action movie. He's like Jason Voorhees in the other one, and it's like, well, which is these? I mean, and also like. The way that he kills Kevin Pollock in this movie may be one of the dumbest things I've seen ever. Because <laughs> Kevin Pollock is waiting in an SUV outside of Arnold's place, and the devil just walks up and just starts peeing on the side of the building. The pee trickles down. I mean, there's a lot of fucking pee. It goes all the way over, goes under the SUV. Yeah, he's, he's had several super big gulps full of petrol, I think. Yeah. That's yeah. how he does it. And then he lights the pee, ignites it, and it explodes the SUV with Kevin Pollock inside. Pisplosion. It yeah. is a pisplosion. It's a pisplosion. <laughs> it's a Calvin a- and Hobbes on the back of your Ford sort of death, you know? It's just why. <laughs> It was just, it's like, that's not the sort of thing the devil does in a movie where you want to take him seriously. Yeah. Because there's parts of this movie that are almost pretentious in how serious it wants to be taken. 
Like, the tone I feel it trying for is something like the first season of True Detective. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It wants to be that so bad, but it has, like, these giant chains pulling it back that are tied to these big weights of dumb. Mm-hmm. And the movie is just like, well, it's an Arnold movie. We have to put this big dumb stuff. Put more chains on him. And it's the stuff that just derails the whole thing. Well, it's a, what, $100 million budget sort of thing starts driving the decisions where it's like, well, people want that big payoff. You've got that, you've got Arnold as your main character and you've got this big dumb action mindset just by virtue of having him cast and so you've got people going in there expecting a big bad not a subtle bad not a clever bad not a you know a a meaningful makes you think kind of bad hell not even a like gruber like it's you know it's you need you need fireworks and explosions and big old horns and you, yeah, know, you need him to latex. blast the devil with a rocket launcher while he yeah. dives out of the back of a subway with a like a Dracula pose like Rah! yeah the, the devil T one thousand is what I wrote down in my notes <laughs> yes no uh, like uh, but of course the, there are all sorts of like movie making conceits that are in this that that of course they this never becomes more than the sum of its parts uh, at all because it doesn't gel but like the conceit of using New York City. And even there is a point in dialogue when he's like, he's like, oh, is it going to be Eastern Standard Time or something? And then there are like three almost totally throwaway lines, but they clearly the screenwriter has Rod Steiger, who plays the priest, try to explain, and with something that doesn't make any sense, why, of course, it's New Year's Eve in New York City. Yeah. As we always talk about New York City as the, sorry listeners from New York City, the city that likes to suck its own dick the most yeah. in movies and TV. It has to be NYC. Y2K. But it's weird yeah. that he would bring up the times. Eastern Standard Time thing, because if you're pointing out a flaw in your movie, either you have to have another character have a really good response, or just let it fucking go. He's like, something. It, it's about celestial alignment or something, and it doesn't make any fucking sense. It like, feels like those kids that just do not want to give up something on their project. Yes. You know, that sort of thing. They worked in a group project, and all the kids have different sensibilities. And it's like, no, but this was really, really good. And it's like, yes, but it doesn't work any longer for what you're doing. <laughs> no. You're going to have to let those little minnows swim free, man. Like, it may be one solid line or one solid thought, but if you don't pursue it, it's just going to, again, like, show the cracks in the pavement kind of thing. Um, I definitely felt like there was a lot of that attitude where maybe you did have that young screenwriter that wanted to write something uh, something interesting with this material or something almost legendary or mythological in nature. Um, and then it's like, nah, we're, we're, we're casting... You know, we're casting uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. We're not casting these uh, dark-haired, broody sort of sorts, like these uh, sort of Keanu Reeves levels, you know. Ed Norton would have been really good in this role. Yeah, Nicolas Cage. (laughs) Yes, late 90s Nicolas Cage. He can do Tormented. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and here's the thing. It needs this role. I mean, of course, it needs a lot of things, but what it needs in this is not what an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie kind of needs. What Arnold Schwarzenegger movie needs is lots of dudes that he can dispatch in a satisfying violent way and in this they just have to start inventing things like was it necessary to have mobs of mind controlled also another one of my fucking pet peeves about filmmaking is mind control if you if you cannot find a better way to write why good people turn evil than just giving them supernatural mind control then you need to go back to school where are these people mm-hmm. finding torches I, I, who knows well, but, it's, it's not satisfying then no That's the it thing sucks is the, it the sucks. violence is not satisfying no and we kind of seek that in a way in our action movies in particular you know from the first sort of cowboy attitude on out is we we like this idea of the person getting punched is getting punched justly in some way 
um, especially when you have this hero that's in essence a giant bully who's really going to mess with somebody like Arnold. You know, yeah. you have to have a compelling reason for this guy to be punching people and have him not be an asshole for it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so that's that's the thing I think about is is, is yeah, that, those people uh, could all wake up. And yeah. they get to have like they have like their jaw wired shut because they just happen to be brainwashed by the devil for like fifteen hours. It's just like, you know? wait a minute, did some smelly drunk Austrian beat the shit out of me? I'm in traction and I don't remember the last five hours. I'm just... well, you take kung fu movies, yeah. for example, and I'm I'm thinking this because I've been watching a lot of them again recently, and the American version of doing the kung fu movie is our our muscle guy movies in that sense. You you watch a kung fu movie or kung fu movie to watch a person flip out and show a bunch of physical skills and it's it's almost like dance the way the choreography works the entertainment is in the action um so when you have a kung fu movie and a bunch of dudes are running at your main guy and they're flipping out and they've all got hoods and masks or something they're part of a unified evil in that sense that you can see what he's doing but you're you're more there to watch what's happening rather than feel any grave sense that this person is doing right or wrong by doing it, I guess. And with American movies, we have so much of this cowboy sensibility. I kind of feel like you can't get away with that in the same way when you have, say, dozens of mind-controlled people or just goonies like that. It just sort of starts to feel silly, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it was weird because it got ridiculous. I mean, Arnold is stumbling on this massive satanist conspiracy that has overtaken new york and the people who have that oop surprise i'm in on it too yeah. it just gets more and more absurd as the thing goes on it's like oh wait the uh the psychiatrist who's helping um christine deal with her bad dreams he's a satanist her stepmom she's a satanist um the uh, CCH Pounder, the the one who's Arnold's old boss, she's a Satanist, and so is that rando cop who's just standing right next to her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. think they were reaching for Rosemary's Baby. They were reaching for this whole like you've been surrounded all along sort of thing <laughs> that only worked in Rosemary's Baby because they were all planted for these specific sort of reasons to manipulate. Yeah, and the manipulation was the threat, not. The threat of physical violence or the the threat of these people physically stopping you somehow. Um, it's just disappointing because the only time we actually get them to set up a have an action set piece where Arnold is Arnold is when he saves Robin Tony's character from being uh, killed by the Vatican Knights. Yeah. Um, who, by the way, the Vatican Knights are completely on the right side. Yeah. If they yeah. just kill one person, then the entire world doesn't go to hell. Yeah, and millions, billions of souls. They, if in in this world, obviously, the, the Catholics are the good guys. God's real, and the devil will, you know, will uh, torture billions of people. They're right. She should die. <laughs> but, end of movie. There wouldn't be a movie about it. But come on. And those are the guys that he gets to kick their asses. Constantine would have killed her. <laughs> I mean, that's how he rolls. And we and we need that. Uh, vague attempt at being above conventional morality in our hero though because since of course as we pointed out he's doing this whole tooting on and on about oh, i don't know if i believe in faith and religion and all this stuff because i've been let down by the world and those characters do tend to have this whole ah oh, you're no better than them sort of thing um 
But that gets confused once your character gets on their knees or closes their eyes and asks God to help them before they sacrifice themselves. Yeah, that was a little weird uh, what he was going for, because I think he still could have used the rocket launcher that he dropped in that moment. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you have a rocket launcher. At least why not try it? Yeah. Yeah. If this had been an Ed Norton, Nicolas Cage movie, I really, really doubt that there would have been a massive Predator gun in it. Yes. Yeah. That is one of the conceits. Yeah. This is a weird (laughs) movie, and also you probably wouldn't have had the hero jump from a helicopter and tackle that guy. No. There's a there's a lot of things in this movie that are just so fucking strange. I I I almost feel like I almost feel like there was uh there were those points that were definitely like Arnold add-ins, like we got to get him on the rooftop. We've got to dangle from a helicopter. That I just can't imagine they were in the original. The whole the thing is movie. weird mm-hmm. because wouldn't it have just been easier to make Arnold a cop in this movie for the stuff that he does? Because he's an ex-cop. He's like a bodyguard. A mercenary, for, yeah, basically. basically gun for hire. So when a mercenary gets hired to protect a rich guy, because occasionally and understandably people want to kill rich people sometimes, <laughs> yeah. um, they you think your job is to like you stop the murder attempt and you get your client out of there. And that's the end of your job. You call the cops to chase that guy. But to actually go, no, we're going to capture this assassin. And then we're going to gather evidence and we're going to have an investigation. It's like, wait, your job ended the minute you got that dude into the limo. <laughs> what are we doing here? Yeah, yeah. Messing with crime scenes. I, and... I also hate it when Arnold Schwarzenegger plays the the d- procedural detective. Like, he yeah, did this in The Last how? Stand, too. Everything is connected. Like, I, it's dumb. It's he He does not, he doesn't do it well of... Guiding the audience through dialogue, expositional dialogue, to unwrap a mystery. Arnold's word, that's just not his strength. Yeah. It just, it's terrible. It's, Especially considering this is not written for a mystery well, because if he's supposed to be our POV character, he spends more than half the movie going like, but what's going on here? But our, our, you know, our conspiracy character, that sort of thing is completely separate than an Arnold sort of thing in the first place. But. Um, when when they were talking about making this movie, one of the people they had in consideration was Tom Cruise, who is kind of the quintessential at this point. Oh, there's a conspiracy, and I'm paranoid. I play the paranoid good guy in almost everything, who's uh, always jaded and sarcastic and shitty to deal with, <laughs> just in general to everyone they know. Would the Tom Cruise one have been a better movie? I don't know that it would be any different than any other Tom Cruise movie, hmm. so... I feel like maybe it would have been a solid 22% instead of 11% (laughs) or something like that. Yeah, double that number. Because I look at this and I wonder if the Tom Cruise one would have been more boring and forgettable, where the dumpster fire madness of injecting this macho action into what otherwise would have been a movie like Fallen. Yeah. um, That's what makes it kind of memorable. The stuff with Arnold screaming at the devil that, you know, I'm, you know, you think you're bad? You're a fucking choir boy compared to me. <laughs> a choir boy. And, you know, like punching people out of windows and fighting Professor Sprout and putting her through a glass coffee table. We've got entertaining and we've got good. Yeah. We talk about, you know, with movies. And, and I tell a lot of friends the same sort of thing is that I will watch movies that are entertaining, whether or not they're good. And there are those people, they can't separate mentally the idea that either a movie is a good movie, again, a, a little gold man sort of movie, or it's not entertaining. Like, I, 
see, you, you go though, you see something like Manchester by the Sea, and you're it's not entertaining, you're bored to death, but it wins a little gold guy, you know. <laughs> so, I, I feel like this movie is one of those like it's never gonna win anything other than the Razzies, you know, which I think it may have even gone up for um, a couple, I think it did, yeah, but um, it, it will entertain the hell out of you. Yeah, I mean, you're you're not going to watch it to expand your mind. You're not going to come out of the theater going, "My God, I really need to rethink how I fight Satanists." You know, <laughs> I, I need to hire. I really a, need to get some. <laughs> I don't know. And what we really need is Arnold with his sadness beard. Yeah, that that was the thing that really kind of hit me while watching it, and it took me a while to notice. And I was like, "Wait, Arnold is kind of dressed like at the beginning of Kindergarten Cop." <laughs> <laughs> Where he's yes, got, he like, does. He's got the trench coat. It's five o'clock shadow. Yeah. It, that is the weirdest beard that movie characters have, where it's not quite a Chuck Norris, but it's way too thick to be, I haven't shaved in a couple days, but it's not long enough to be an outright beard. But he keeps it at that same length for the entire movie, so it leaves you to the conclusion that he's maintaining it specifically to look like he just rolled out of a dumpster. Well, it's the it's the facial hair equivalent of his pizza smoothie. It's like just <laughs> yeah. enough effort to get you by, but not yeah. so much that you would actually keep clean about it, you know? It's not 100% healthy, but my God, I still have standards. Yeah. <laughs> so so just, to, just to follow up, it did. this film did, it was nominated for three Razzies. Ah. Arnold for best, for worst actor, excuse me. Gabriel Byrne for worst supporting actor and Peter Hyams for worst director, and it didn't win either three. Uh, either oh god, one. it even uh, failed at failing. No, it was, uh, came out the same year as Wild Wild West and uh, Star Wars Episode One. So there's no battling those. No, yeah, no, yeah, not, not at even, all. Not even Sadness Beer Arnold can defeat Star Wars Episode One. <laughs> Screwed for awards on a Star Wars year. Screwed for money too. You know what? It totally occurred to me that uh, in this movie. Uh, Hector Salamanca plays the Pope. Yes. <laughs> yes. I spent half the movie going, I know that guy. And then literally I had an, I remembered and it was like a ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yes. And I was like, holy shit. Oh, God, that was great. Did anything explode after those bells went off? Oh, so many explosions. Yeah, the, in, the, your, the, in your mind. The manholes on the street exploded. Yeah. Yeah. There it's like, again, it's like, how subtle is your devil? Is he the goat leg man or, who screams and attacks people? Or is he, you know, the the version that you get in a lot of these ones, the Al Pacino devil? Pleased to meet you. Won't you guess my name? <laughs> Seriously. You know? Yeah. I, want, I, I think I want that. And the movie, again, will not make up its mind. So I guess the question I have is, had this movie taken aside, if it had been like serious, like psychological drama that Arnold is like, well, you know, I just had heart surgery. I don't want a big physical role. This is kind of stretching myself. I don't want to be an invincible guy. What if I play a broken guy and played it that way, kind of against type? Or if he had gone straight out, yeah, I'm Bru shooting... Bruce Campbell. Make it more Bruce Campbell than anything else, right? Yeah. yeah. It's just Army of Darkness, goofy as fuck. You're fighting off the minions of Satan, but they're like with a the machine gun. It's like Doom. Yeah, yeah. And then you've yeah. got Conan. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like a, a again full full on crazy monster devil versus Conan. I I would enjoy that movie. I mean, I I'd watch it. I'd laugh. I'd have a good time, and I know exactly what I'm expecting. Exactly. Mm. You know. Mm. So once your expectations are managed by the idea of the genre convention, I think it's easier to have a good time and know what you're going into. Like that. So if he if he were to be, you know, the the beef monster versus Satan, like yeah, I'd have a good time. If uh, if he were to be going against type and, and playing this brooding sort of character with again that uh, sympathy for the devil kind of devil, 
I don't know that it would have worked in any capacity. I just don't know that he he sold any of the dramatic stuff well enough. And and part of that, it's again, it's hard to see a giant hulking dude like that looking. It's it's hard to make looking beaten down for that sort of character convincing. Yeah, because he really is. He's still huge, and it's hard to get past that. I mean, you. Could you do it like an Arnold leaving Las Vegas kind of tone to it? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't I'm, seen Maggie, but that might be the one that was closest to it, I suppose. I, I have seen Maggie. Oh, have you? Um, yeah. And I think he's kind of doing that there. So my brain was kind of pulling between, again, Maggie and him fighting the devil with his Conan with a machine gun. And I don't know. Um, I think it's the mashup is why we remember this. That hmm. when we mention that we're doing this movie to people... They get a reaction every time, and I think the only reason it's memorable instead of something like, say, Raw Deal, which nobody remembers, mm-hmm. um, is because it's such a mess of a movie. Well, it, it also is frozen in a 90s movie. I mean, you've got like an AOL bus ad, and you have a Pizza Hut product placement, and you have Y2K references everywhere, because it's just, it is it is so frozen in time. It just and. That's what that's what they chose to do, I guess, to make it yet another Y two K movie. But like, it 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 will it will always age poorly for that reason and for lots of other reasons. So I guess we're we're really getting into it. the The big first question is: Is End of Days a good movie? I mean, it's not a good movie, and it's and it doesn't even doesn't even reach the level I think of so bad it's good. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree with there's, that assessment. Because there's no heart. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there doesn't seem to be heart in this movie. It just seems to be pulled in so many directions. Yeah, I, I think it's it was definitely entertaining, but I also feel like I've gotten entertainment out of 15-minute YouTube videos, I guess, toward the same sort of level. Um, definitely would not call it good. And I don't think we're in Bruce Campbell land. No. Yeah, Either, which where you can at least gather together a couple of friends, pop some popcorn, and go. Let's enjoy a night of regret. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It 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 doesn't again, and and that lack of the the quips also kind of takes away from that B status that you would be able to employ by you know getting people together to watch this movie. You go, oh no no no, he just says this awful stupid thing. You know, it's like uh, like my favorite example is uh, bulletproof. Like I, I really, mm. really love the like the butt horn <laughs> line with that, where you got Gary Busey yeah. kind of crouching over. It's just like, yeah, it, something that's so stupid <laughs> that you wait for it, you know, that you go, hang on, this is the whole reason to watch this thing, and you go, wow, this is so abysmally dumb, but we're laughing so hard, we're having a good time. I don't think there's enough dumb, and I don't think the smart is convincing enough to make it good. Yeah, I'm coming at it from a pretty much the same place where it's like. This movie has ambitions that pull it in so many directions that it doesn't get any of them well. That you see, every, you see bits again: Exorcist, Evil Dead, Devil's Advocate, mm-hmm. The Omen. There's all these different places that it's pulling, and I've seen every part of this movie done better somewhere else. Yeah, uh, I've seen better crime dramas. I've seen better action movies. I've seen better dumb action movies, better horror, better uh, devil movies. Um, it's just so weird when you consider also, sorry for interrupting, Mike, uh, that uh, this is after Terminator 2. Like yeah. this, that we've are, we're past the Nadir. So any movie, any director, any writer, any producer that's going to put Arnold uh, in their movie needs to know that they have that to measure up against. 
right? And and the problem with this is is it doesn't it doesn't even it can't even compete on that level. The most it can do is have the thing for which I think it's notorious for, which is having him die at the end of the movie and not not be the conquering hero who walks into the sunset. But even then, I don't know what it, feeling it's trying to evoke when he dies at the end of this movie because. You know, there's that moment where it's sad and he's going to see his daughter again and it's trying to make me feel something. But the way that he died was so stupid where he's like, (laughs) and he does this like, you know, Jimmy snuck a splash onto this sword (laughs) and then fire starts pouring at him and he's doing his usual Arnold pain noises. At least there was some penetration in this movie. (laughs) It had to happen through his abdomen. (laughs) Sorry, Satan. (laughs) You'll get your turn some other year. The devil's going to fuck you, Arnold. The devil's going to fuck you. He's coming. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But not in her. (laughs) But Jesus Christ. Yeah, and it's like that kind of... It's like I like restaurant pickles, I you know, the ones you get with a sandwich. Mm-hmm. And I really love banana milkshakes, but I don't want them in my mouth at the same time. <laughs> yeah. This movie is a banana and pickle milkshake. Yes. It just it's trying to be too many things. It sucks at doing all of them. The mess that it makes, it, maybe it's something you just have to see to believe. But I don't know. I think partially you could probably get everything you need to get out of End of Days by watching clips on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you just hit an interesting point. The the metaphor for this movie is his disgusting breakfast shake. Yes, it's there you all go. Of that, all of the stuff that in and of themselves might be interesting, but put together in one thing is fucking atrocious. A depressive action shake of a film. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah. So that leads us to the the next question, and I think we've probably already answered this too. But um, good aside, is End of Days a good Arnold movie? Ah. Uh. It's not something I'm going to pass to someone and say, if you, you know, if you're not familiar for some reason, if you came here from space or elsewhere (laughs) and you've never seen an Arnold movie, this is the one that is going to tell you who he is because it's, it's not Arnold's type. It's not Arnold's strengths. It's not um, a, a good sort of like morsel or encapsulation of like what he is known for. Because he's not even being allowed to be himself fully, yeah. I guess. Yep. I, I, It's not my top choice, for sure. It's something that I'll laugh and say, you know what, if you want to see something weird, check this out. But it's definitely not the top of my list for recommendations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's not in the canon for me. It, it isn't. It's in the lowest quartile of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, unfortunately. And it's got some things, I think it's got some things about it that are interesting artifacts like for example it's this it's a weird place where they have you have stan winston doing creature effects i think mostly with the devil being ripped apart which was actually a cool a cool little thing a little piece of movie makeup with rhythm and hughes actually a company that would later go on to be like an enormously successful computer graphics house um doing like the cgi devil um like that I, it's it's interesting as a signpost for a time when that whole chapel blowing up and the pews all knocking down like dominoes and the ceiling coming down was all crazy practical effects right up against cgi devil coming up in flames or whatever it's interesting that those two intersect at the same place but it's in a movie that's unremarkable you know and like i said it'll always be frozen in time as awkwardly aging and missing the mark 
Uh, so no, it's not in the not in the canon for me. Yeah, I it has a couple bits like Arnold with firing a rocket launcher and blowing up the devil in midair. It's got the thing with him shooting the hole in that dude's hand. I mean, some of that is kind of great on its own, but there's not enough of that to make an Arnold movie. And so much of it is playing against stuff that, again, like you said, Kit, it doesn't understand his strengths. And it isn't at least, it isn't even subverting your expectations of Arnold. It's not a deconstruction of an Arnold movie. So it's it's too afraid to move away from Arnold's meat and potatoes and do something new and different. But it's not brave. It's not also grabbing onto it it's trying to have both of these things at the same time it's saying well i can do really smart psychological horror and i can do dumb action and i'll just trade off between them and sometimes confuse the it's like no (laughs) this isn't what we want you know i think you could do broken arnold's trying to come back from the death of his family like you said terminator style but he's not doing it here and he's not do god it's it's like i could see either committing to one side or the other but it really just feels like arnold is miscast in this mm-hmm. yeah. that almost any of the people that we named before would have made a quote unquote better movie maybe not a memorable movie but something that would probably be largely forgettable like men in black 2 levels of good i i loathe tom cruise with like burning intensity of Satan's own asshole. <laughs> but one thing I could say is that sacrificial mindset to that scene is definitely more Cruz's wheelhouse. Again, this this whole, like, I think maybe it's a Scientology thing, um, this whole obsession with his own sense of, of legend and nobility, I guess, and uh, that, that brave sacrifice against a, a bigger and stronger thing. Um that that would have worked for Tom Cruise in in the sense that it works for any of his movies, I guess. It it would make sense, I guess, is the way to put it. Um hell, it, it could have even been entertaining again doing Nicolas Cage. Yo, because God. he he would just ham that shit up and down the street. So much scenery to chew. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, he would ham it all over the place. And at least you could again pop the popcorn with some friends and go, my God, you've got to watch his death scene. It is ridiculous. Oh, God. Nicolas Cage versus the devil? Yeah. That could be great. <laughs> Beautiful. Unfortunately, not this movie. <laughs> not this my movie. Shame. This one goes back into the archive. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Kit, I want to thank you for joining us today for this episode. And if folks want to find out stuff that you're working on, is there any projects you got going online? Where can they find you? Well, gosh. Um as as far as things go right now, I haven't really um this this is the first time in the podcasting saddle for a little while. Um so mostly I've just been up and painting and that's been it. Um in the real world, unfortunately, <laughs> I guess find me at your local library. Nice. Ask me informative or for informative questions of Kit is better movies. Kit I don't is know. Every librarian everywhere. That's me. <laughs> Just speak into any book, and my voice will echo right out. Yeah, be like, put that down. You don't need another Grisham book. That's what it'll say. Are you just putting those notes in all of them? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just ditch the Grish. That's <laughs> what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, don't fuck up the coat. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, we'll see you guys in a couple months. We're going to be taking July off, mm-hmm. uh, but we are going to have something up on our Patreon page. Yes, so we, if- we neglect to say this, but we do have a Patreon page uh, that you can, if you even, if you donate as little as $1 a month, you'll have access to our Black Ops episodes. And so we're going to have another one for July posted. I think you guys will like it. But yeah, check us out. We'll have that going there. And until then, we're going to see you guys in a couple months. Podcast of La Vista Baby is a production of Radio vs. the Martians and is hosted by Mike Gillis and Casey Doran. This podcast is recorded in Tacoma, Washington and edited by Mike Gillis. Our original theme music was written and performed by James Wetzel with opening narration by Dan Lombardo. Special thanks to Sam Mulvey, Rob Kelly, James Wetzel, Paul Rue, and Dan Lombardo. Please take the time to rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And you can find us online at podcastalavistababy.com and radioversusthemartians.com. You will never see the girl! Now you see. Now you're upsetting me. You don't want to see me upset. Believe me. Oh, you want to fuck with me? You think you know bad, huh? You're a fucking choir boy compared to me! A choir boy!